0: Stay on target Stay on
1: target Rothbard <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hola y bienvenidos a El Actual Anarchy Podcast We're doing episode 127 tonight On the Three Amigos And this is our Cinco de Drinco Cultural Appropriation Awareness episode and we just got shut down (laughs) i hope you enjoyed that
1: this is Uh, is for your awareness we're not like insulting people no of course not we would never do that shine a light on the horrible effects that cultural appropriation has on
0: people something like that whatever he said i'm gonna just agree and then disagree and deny all knowledge if, if anyone challenges us or flags this video or this episode for being um you know, making fun of a culture, not a costume or, or whatever the saying is. So this is episode 127, uh, like I mentioned earlier. And I, I'm excited about this one because it's another comedy film. And you were dragging my name through the muck on a most recent episode with Anarchist Mom about how comedy films don't have much to talk about. And in our pre-show content available for our Patreon supporters at actualanarchy.com. You admitted openly that this actually had a lot more... To talk about than you expected from a comedy film.
1: The exception that proves the rule. This movie actually does have some fun things to talk about, primarily because this movie does not pass the social justice test. So I don't think it could be made today, not without maximum bitching and maximum tears from all kinds of people complaining about cultural appropriation, the white savior trope and all kinds of other things that we'll, we'll
0: discuss. We shall discuss those, and and why don't we do that at the uh, last nighters portion of the show? We'll be back on actual anarchy at the end of that, as per usual, and then we'll do some Kathleen Turner overdrive following. So, ay 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 ay! Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Hey everyone it's daniel elwood and robert johnson the last nighters and the last nighters are part of the launchpad media where they're always launching new ideas in your direction check it out at the launchpadmedia.com the is important in the url so it's www.thelaunchpadmedia.com people have been uh letting us know that hey the website doesn't seem to work so you gotta have the the in there right robert something those like are that. important words use your words properly people use your words properly and we are going to use our words wisely and properly and Butcher mm-hmm. on this episode 70 of the show, because wherever there is injustice, wherever liberty is threatened, we will not die like dogs. We will fight like lions. And we are the dos amigos tonight. This is our wow, that, that should be our that should be our permanent. intro. That's fantastic. I love it. I, you know, I might I might pull the snippet out and uh, repurpose that, repurpose that. Why not?
1: Why not? We'll culturally appropriate uh, that script. Our own content.
0: Yeah. So, this uh, episode 70, lastnighters.com slash 70, will be the show notes page. Um, we did some pre-show. We will also do some post-show, so that's going to be available at lastnighters.com slash Patreon. And if you want to support the show in non-monetary ways, and in fact, ways that will actually help get us more notoriety and, and more earballs, spread the message of liberty and whatnot, do the, uh, do the, do the right thing. Support us via subscribing on iTunes and giving us a review there. So go to iTunes, look for Last Nighter's podcast and leave us a review. That helps get our traction going and, and gets us recommended to other people. So I don't want to get too much further into that because we're derailing the show already and we usually do the Google description. I do want to throw a twist because it is Cinco de Mayo. And the twist is this. I will read the the Google description, but also the physical DVD package because I had to go back to the olden times, like it's 1916, and get a physical disc to, to be able to watch this one. So, uh, Robert, any, any comments prior to my read of the description? Because now it's it's gone sideways. Market failure, market failure that we weren't able to get this digitally. So therefore we
1: need state intervention to make a law requiring all films made available
0: on digital streaming platforms. Get it done, Trump, come on, let's go. Right, and I think it's an IP thing that that prevents this from happening because it actually is available in streaming form via rental only, not for purchasing, which is kind of a I have not encountered a film like that in uh, in the past so it's a it's a, it's a unicorn really Aww. Right. So here we go uh, three the amigos one. 1986 adventure comedy film an hour and 45 minutes, 6.5 on the IMDB, 46 percent Rotten tomatoes and 52 percent Metacritic so generally speaking, the critics don't like it, but 89 percent of the Google users do the description is. Three cowboy movie stars from the silent era, Dusty Bottoms, played by Chevy Chase, Lucky Day, Steve Martin, and Ned Niederlander, Martin Short, are fired when one of their movies bombs. In what seems to be a career-saving offer, young Mexican woman Carmen Patrice Martinez offers them a high-paying gig in her village. The three jump at the opportunity, expecting to do their typical act, but Carmen believes they are really heroes and asks them to rid her village of a bad guy, El Guapo. Came out December 12, 1986. The director is John Landis, box office, $39.2 million. This is one of those uh, earlier Saturday Night Live inspired films that uh, had Lorne Michaels involved. And of course, uh, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short, I believe were all uh, featured on Saturday Night Live back in one of the golden eras, probably the second golden age of Saturday Night Live. And uh, Robert, any comments before I read the physical disc? Is it significantly different? I no, must, because that's like a promo type style, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to be much better. But I, I want to get your take on, on uh, the Google information before we get to the, you know, the marketing speak here.
1: Well, I could see how this movie wouldn't sit so well with the critics. I mean, I don't know if we're talking about critics from yesteryear or current day critics because current day critics are, you know, have that social justice cancer and brain cancer and... They're always looking for representation and problematic things. They can't just sit back and enjoy a film anymore. It's all got to be done through the lens of social justice. So, whereas your average viewer doesn't really pay attention to that bullshit so much. They're far more aligned with just, hey, did I enjoy that movie? Yep, cool. It was supposed to entertain me. It was supposed to make me laugh, and it did that, so I'm down. But then the critics are dissecting it for, well, this is problematic here, and... I don't see any black people in this movie, so that gets dinged a couple of points. And I mean, it's just ridiculous. But that's where we're at in this world today.
0: Yeah, it's a sad state of the world, you know, where whatever happened is sticks and stones, you know, and the, the words will never hurt me. Apparently, the words are now violence, and it's all it's all backwards. It's backwards land, really. It is the upside down we live in. All right, well, let's read the the archaic uh, tablet here, the old scrolls of uh, tablet, is it the papyrus. DVD package, it's uh, recycled plastic The three amigos are a silent Screen comedy act who have seen better days So has a remote Mexican Hamlet that is being terrorized by a fierce Gang of banditos, finally in desperation A naive villager sends the actors a telegram Asking for help, thinking they're being Offered a fortune for a personal appearance The hapless trio arrive in Mexico Only to discover this time they're dodging real Bullets, starring Steve Martin, Chevy Chase and Martin Short And directed by John Landis, who also Did Animal House and Trading Places this uproarious comedy centers on three lovable bumblers who are in way over their heads, but come out, but come what may, they'll always remain the three amigos. All right. Not too bad. Not too, Not too bad.
1: Yeah, get you fired up to watch it. So since this movie is a comedy, it kind of gets a pass from me for its ridiculous premise. It's, it hinges upon this main Mexican lady being a complete idiot and walking into a movie theater and thinking it was real, like this was like the news that they were watching, and that these people could actually come and help you, and that these were real gunfighters. And she's seen real gunfighters. She's seen El Guapo and his band of banditos. I, I don't know how she could confuse the two, the three amigos and the banditos of El Guapo's gang look quite different. One looks very real and the other ones are all dolled up in their dancing gear or whatever, but heavy makeup, lipstick.
0: Yeah. Some special effects work in there,
1: yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's as long as it gets the action going, I'm on board. I mean, this, like we said, this movie mirrors Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, probably other things that have aped this. It's a very common trope of, I don't know if it's a trope necessarily, but it's a common story of we're in trouble, we can't rely on the government. Although in this movie, she doesn't even try to go to the government. She, her one attempt to get help is into this seedy dive bar. With all these guys that are, like, one of them tries to, like, molest her when when, when he offers to help. In the Cantina del baracho Yeah. So, I mean, I, I appreciate, you know, seeking outside of government help, but you are being robbed for this tax money to pay for protection, supposedly, from the government. So they should be doing something of a job. But apparently, Santa Poco is too remote, and there's no such thing there. I don't know. Whatever. We take it in this universe. This is a universe with a singing bush and an invisible man and, what is it, like a talking turtle and singing horses. So none of this makes sense. If it made you laugh, it works.
0: Yeah, now I have a little bit of a reaction to what you've said so far. I think that the, the, the era in which this is depicting, 1916 period of time, movies were still relatively new at, at that time. And, and I think if she's from this tiny little Santa Poco village and has traveled to this other village and maybe is experiencing watching a film for the first time, or one of her first times it might seem like oh this is this is a real thing. So I give her a pass on that. Okay, wait. Now well, hold up. You're you're right about that. I, I, there are stories of
1: like the first time an audience saw a moving picture of like a train coming at the screen, everybody like dove out of the way cuz they thought it was really happening cuz yeah, you're right. You don't this is all new to you. But I still think my criticism stands about the three amigos being tough guy hombres that you're going to bring in to fight <laughs> El Guapo and his bandidos. That's not happening. <laughs>
0: All right, I'll, I'll give you that one as well. Now you mentioned some other films that this is a bit of a takeoff of uh, Seven Samurai, The Magnificent Seven, etc. I would also posit that the movie we did last week with Anarchist mom—it's—it's it's basically the same story. And I, I didn't realize it at the time, but in watching this, you've got these actors who people think that they're really the heroes via the historical documents or the movies in the movie theater. And they ask them to come help, and then they do help, and there's not as much of the leading them on as Tim Allen does in galaxy quest, but you do have that moment where lucky day and, and dusty bottoms do think that they're playing a show and they appear to have been effective in the very first moment where the, the three banditos are there trying to get more tequila. And so the the whole town's like happy for them and like, Oh, you, you've saved the day and they're you're big heroes. So this is like galaxy quest, but, you know, 10 years before, 13 years before. Right, in just a different setting.
1: And funnier than Galaxy Quest. I, I love that too. It's, it Gal- is funnier. Galaxy Quest, even though it was ridiculous and silly, it was playing off the Star Trek tropes, whereas this played off all kinds of silly Western tropes and just threw in some random craziness. Like with the with the whole chanting uh, a thing to summon the invisible man guy at the burning bush and all that. Yeah, the singing bush. Yeah. Yeah, it was really like I don't know, like mythological biblical quest type stuff for our heroes. Like as if they couldn't just ask somebody in that town they were in where Santa Poco is and or where Santa weren't they didn't oh maybe the people in Santa Poco didn't know where El Guapo was? Was that was that what the case was?
0: Right, yeah, yeah. They didn't know where his base of operations was. Okay. Okay, I'll give yeah. him a pass. I, I also felt like the um the singing bush and the invisible swordsman were kind of out of place. Like, it didn't seem necessary to do that. And it it wasn't even, like, playing up that much of a joke, except when they accidentally killed the uh, invisible man. Oh, it definitely seemed out of place. It was in the middle of the movie, and nothing leading
1: up to that would make you expect such a, a ridiculous scene. And nothing afterwards is anything like it. It's almost like they just threw in this weird scene. It's almost like, you know, it was written by somebody else, but then the three SNL character guys, actor guys, were like, what if we did this? And then the writer's like, oh, really? Do you want to do that? And they're like, yeah, we're doing it. And they're like, okay. <laughs> we're not we're not in this movie unless we do this awesome scene. And the writer's like, okay, all right, whatever. I think it's fine
0: because it made me laugh. I, any movie with the talking turtle and singing horses, I'm on board. See, I, I thought it was a stump speech by uh, AOC when the horses were singing. Remind me what they say. Oh, it's just—it's how their mouths look, you know. She's got the horse face.
1: Oh, okay, all right, I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not what they say. It's—I think that. of her as crazy eyes, but I guess she does kind of have a bit of a horsey face.
0: Yeah, I mean the dancing video. I mean that's kind of all right, but you know she's not talking, and you don't see her her horse teeth or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, speaking of of funny scenes, we talked about the the naive uh, Mexican woman going to the uh, Cantina del Barracho to look for gunfighters, and she. Gets turned down after that one guy advances on her. And then as they're leaving, she walks by a Mexican policeman and there's some soldiers in the background and they just walk right by them. So you're right. They didn't like look to their own government for help. But later on at the at the cantina, the German guy shows up and he is a tough dude who ends up shooting the, the guy who had molested the girl or advanced upon her and a few other people displaying how ruthless he is. And he warns them that some of his friends are going to show up later, and that you'll know who they are just by seeing them. And so, in this situation, walk the three amigos, and everyone believes that they are these ruthless killer guys. And it's in that context where they sing the Buttercup song and they do the the sing and dance number, and everyone's like, mm-hmm. they point them and say, "You sing now." And the people singing are like, "If we don't do this, they're going to kill us." Right. And so. I thought that that was like amazingly well done and hilarious because if, if all these people believe that they are these uh, psychotic killer types, but now they're acting so glib and they're even more terrifying. Yeah, it's even more terrifying because you're like, holy shit, these guys are <laughs> like so ruthless that, uh, that they're psychos, you know, like they, they just do whatever they want and they, they could be ridiculous and, and dance like ballerinas or whatever they're doing and singing little numbers. And uh, I, I thought that scene actually played really well. It did. It was a great case of mistaken
1: identity. And then you have these three clueless amigos that are so dumb. They don't know what the word infamous means and just playing it up and not even paying attention or noticing that everybody's afraid of them. It's great.
0: Yeah. Cause they thought infamous meant uh, more famous than famous. Right. And that's a result of the telegram. Let's talk about this for a moment because this, this is a sticking point for me. She sends this telegram that fully explains or she initially tries to Get a full explanation out, and she's offering a hundred thousand pesos that she does not have. So that's another issue. But she doesn't even have the money to pay for the full telegram. So then the guy like pairs it down, parses it down to like the ten peso message. And because of this un- misunderstanding of what infamous means, the guys think it's oh come and do your act down here, and we'll pay you a bunch of money. And so there's that miscommunication. But right. the whole idea of her offering them money, knowing that they'll turn it down, I felt that was a bit uh, on the fraudulent end. Absolutely. This was a, a, a contract arrived
1: to in bad faith on her part. It's one thing to offer a great deal of money. It's another thing to play on someone's sympathy and be like, hey, we're a very poor village and we're being a, constantly threatened and attacked by this guy. Would you be willing to help? Now, if it, she does that, of course, the movie doesn't happen because the three amigos aren't real gunfighters. But I, yeah, I think that she commits fraud in that situation. So if the Amigos do take the money at the end or whatever they have, they're fully within their contractual rights to do so. But yeah,
0: yeah. it's not even close to what what had originally been offered. Right. Yeah. And then uh, another part of the the setup is that the Amigos, after their bit of a failure of a movie, they challenged the studio head. And I guess they've been working for free or no pay, but they were put up in a mansion and they were provided clothing and- They're basically like a boy band from the 80s and 90s. They're not given any money.
1: They're just given stuff to use and live on.
0: Right. And then uh, the studio director or the studio owner, who is Joe Montana, who I I have heard the name a bunch of times, but I couldn't tell you what he looks like until I saw this movie. It's one of those names that you hear and then you never put the face to the name. Right. But you've
1: seen him in a dozen movies.
0: Yeah. He's like a character actor type. Anyway. And Lovitz is in this
1: movie, too, in the very beginning with, with the studio scene.
0: And Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's great. Uh, they're the three of them are are hilarious in this scene, but the, the boys have a big head because they think that there's the, they're, they are these famous actors. And so they begin to challenge the studio head and the studio is, you know, I'm not taking any of this crap. You live in the mansion now, not anymore. Take their clothes, you know? And so when they break back into the studio to get their clothes, my wife was like, well, Robert's going to want to talk about that because they're (laughs) stealing property. They are stealing studio property. Well,
1: I mean, it kind of depends. We're talking about if the, 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 the Amigos claim the, the clothes were gifts. But clearly it depends on are they only wearing these clothes on the set? Are they part of their wardrobe for the movie? Or are they given these clothes you know, to take home and do whatever with? We're not really told of that situation. But if the Amigos thought that they were just taking, reclaiming their own property back, then I would say that some kind of uh, miscommunication, which this movie is all about miscommunication. But clearly, the studio thought that the clothing was their property,
0: right? And when they break back in, they they don't steal like the clothes that they were wearing in the meeting, you know, like the jumper or derby suit or whatever the heck it was. But they oh, go they were get, wearing different clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're wearing like dapper type clothing, you know, like suits, bow ties, knickers, that kind of a thing. And then they go and steal their costumes from oh, the three. Okay.
1: Oh, like, okay. So they're definitely stealing then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and my, <laughs> I don't mean to bring you up into this honey, but she was like, well, Robert's going to be like, I'm supposed to like these guys. And here they are right <laughs> up. <at that> stealing. <laughs> my protagonists are stealing.
1: That does sound like something I would say. I mean, <laughs> your defense, <laughs> creating yeah. unlikable characters. I need to be able to like them.
0: Right. But, but they are, those darn amigos still are likable. I think despite all of the things that they do. Well, they're because so stupid. They're so dumb. Yeah. Right. You and and help,
1: but you can't just hate somebody who's like totally dumb. I mean, who watches like Forrest Gump and is like, man, I hate that guy?
0: You just can't. Oh, man. I saw this terrible meme. You know, you, you, you see these memes that go around. Um, There's like for a while, for a few weeks, it's like the hot meme. And so yeah. the one right now is like, oh, feeling cute. Thought I might do X. I don't know that one. All it's I like know it. is the Clown World one.
1: That's my most recent
0: meme. Yeah. The Clown World one is, is new, and, and that's like a 4chan type thing. But this is like a, someone taking a selfie and it says, oh, feeling cute, thought I might do something really horrific later. And so that's mm. kind of, they'll put like the most horrific thing you can think of. Okay. So speaking of Forrest Gump, oh man, I, I don't even know if I could say this. Why are uh, you saying this? Because it's on top of mind. Do it. Just do it. Rip the band-aid off. So it's Jenny from Forrest Gump standing by the bus and. Am I going to cry? No, but it says okay. it says uh, feeling cute, thought I might give a retard AIDS later. Jesus. I don't know. Maybe, you know, whatever the meme is. Right. I know it's like, it's terrible, right? Anyway, that's Forrest Gump. And we're talking about three amigos. So <laughs> Nicely done, Daniel. I'm just paraphrasing a meme. <sighs> that's brutal. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> brutal. Uh, it's a mail plane. So what did you think about the guys talking about how they would uh, use their share of the money? And Steve Martin and Chevy Chase are like, oh, I'd buy a, a super nice car and like show the studio owner that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a great guy. Or the other one's like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll move to Paris and have wine, women, and song and, you know, just blow all the money for a while, living rich. And then Martin Short's character is like, well, I thought I might open up a uh, homeless sh- shelter for kids. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we'd we do that too.
1: Uh, yeah, you, you know, when you're hanging out with your buddies and you think it's one thing and then one guy's like pulls the virtue signal card and then everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. That's, that's totally what I would do. I mean, when in reality, as long as you're, you know, I mean, they're just all satisfying their desires, their individual wants and desires. So I don't necessarily judge one of their virtues as more than the other. Yeah. Know, the the show- worlds of social justice think that all, you know, extra money should just be given to other people.
0: Right. And even when it is given, then, then it's criticized that, oh, you gave it to the wrong thing. Sure. So like the Notre Dame fire was a few weeks ago and people are upset because they're saying, oh, uh, over a billion dollars was donated to rebuild this. And they're like, that money could have solved world hunger or something. And, you know, my response is what well, you would have bought everyone like two meals, uh, you know, but anyway, the, um, but you know, so, so all this money is voluntarily donated to this thing. And then it gets criticized that they donated it to the wrong thing. Meanwhile, the Avengers Endgame movie, which we were talking about in the pre-show made roughly that same amount of money in like a weekend. And yet no one criticizes that. <laughs> right? You could, all those people could have spent all that money feeding homeless people. Why didn't they? Right. And then horrible people, I guess. And we talked about this uh, uh, recently, forget which episode, but basically 80 to 90% of the tax money that's taken from people. And then is supposed to be devoted towards solving, you know, problem A, B or C only 10% of that money actually makes it to the recipients of that situation. And so 80 to 90% is just wasted. Right. And you know, Regardless of how you want to spend your money,
1: it's going to make you happy. It's going to improve your life. And it, you earned it. You have every right to find pleasure however you wish with the results of your labor. I mean, yeah, you could probably say Ned's plan is probably going to give him a little more, I don't know, good feeling about himself, a little more feeling virtuous and whatever. But however you choose to spend your money is none of my business. That's the important thing.
0: You son of a motherless goat. Well, you're not wrong. Now, that's a saying that in our circle of friends, you and me and uh, your cousin, we would say that, I think, fairly often, especially your cousin. Yes. And wasn't until watching this last night, I was like, that's where that's from. I thought he was referencing the um, Adam Sandler. Like Waterboy
1: uh, or Billy Madison or something?
0: No, he, he came out with a comedy CD. Oh, like right. In the 90s. Like, they're all going to laugh at you, I think. Yeah. And they do have a, a goat. Right. And he's tied to a post, and they're, like, button hooking him, and throwing you know throwing yeah, a he's football tied to there. the back of a truck but yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i thought that it was from that but no it's it's from the three uh, amigos so anyway little side anecdote from our mm, our personal history i like it oh great real bullets real bullets you're in a lot of trouble mister <laughs> let's talk about steve martin for a little bit has he had gray hair like his entire, entire life the entire time he's been famous yeah i
1: think he just first started getting famous like in the mid 70s and he was definitely heavy salt and pepper a little more salt than pepper so yeah he's just been straight gray and he's still i mean you you gotta hand it to him i mean he's probably what in his 70s now he's gotta be but he looks like he's you know in his 40s or 30s because he's always had gray hair he's smart
0: yeah so he's like he's like the dick clark uh slash ryan seacrest but he's always a more advanced age right like they always seemed younger than they were like way younger but he's always seemed like a little bit older until now. He is now surpassed that age,
1: right? Like Dick Clark went with the uh, just for men, always you know dyeing his hair like brown. But Martin, it's like ha ha, going one up you. Went totally gray early, so he'll
0: just look ageless forever. Till one I day think, he falls down dead. I think it's a good way to go. You know, smart. You're thinking ahead. Yeah, and he's got this uh, long career where Steve Martin looks like Steve Martin looks like Steve Martin. Right. Like, He's got that look. He doesn't like transform over over time. He doesn't age really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a smart uh, branding move. He's good marketing. It's excellent brand awareness. He's also uh, a bit of an accomplished author. Uh, I read one of his books back in college and it was uh, pretty deeply insightful. And good segue into um, when uh, El Guapo's men capture him when they break back into the into the compound. He's like You guys just need to have a representative democracy. We'll have three equal branches of government and you won't have to live under this tyrant's thumb. You'll be able to own property because our, you know, that government will protect your rights to be able to have that. And you'll have nice little uh, band or Bambinos on the beach. Right. But what does he say just before that, Daniel? Do you remember? Uh, I got to
1: use our brains. Damn it. No, he goes, all land will be redistributed among the people. Oh yes. Equally among the people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What does that sound
0: like? What happened to the
1: previous landowners?
0: Yeah. It sounds like what they're doing in uh, South America. Uh, Like Allende before Pinochet deposed him. He was redistributing the land. And what's happening in modern day South Africa, I believe, where they're taking land from the Boer farmers. Yes. Yeah. And when they redistribute this, it, it doesn't go to the people who value it, you know, in an economic sense to be most useful. It's uh, political decisions and, and basically gaming that causes all sorts of disruption.
1: Right, and how do you equ- equally, justibly, you know, justifiably redistribute all this land? Like who's gonna do it? Is it gonna be some council? And they're gonna make decisions or just everybody gonna get the exact same amount?
0: Right, as if, as if the same amount of land is the same everywhere. You know, like right. what's like it saying in, in real estate? Two acres local? of an
1: oasis and everybody else gets two acres of desert. <laughs> the two acres of waste is going to be a little bit more valuable.
0: Right. And then there's location, 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 right? Right. Like if, if it's near something, it's worth a lot more or more useful. Or it has exactly. oil under it or a gold mine on it or any number of things. Right. Or, or how nutrient rich the soil is or if it has water, you know, all of those things. So, yeah, that, that really throws it off. And then, um, but yeah, and then that was one of his demands, right? Yes. Understand. One of his demands. The second was the three branches of the government. And the third was let Carmen go unharmed.
1: Yeah, that's nice. He's got ideas. You know. I like, I like that how the first thing he says is that all land should be equally redistributed. And then he goes on to say, oh, then you'll have better property rights.
0: Yeah, after we destroy your property rights. <laughs>
1: we're going to destroy your property rights to
0: create property rights. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Well, th- maybe it's like the reset. Like, all right, we're going to destroy it for now, and then we'll put everyone on equal footing. Right, you know, that, you know destruction you... doesn't make any resentment. Oh, never. No. I don't see why it would. Everybody would be on board with this plan, right? You're going to do it every voluntarily, right? All right. Uh, so I, I I, have a few notes, and we've already talked about a bunch of them, but I want to make sure that we hit a couple of points. Just okay. Because yeah, let's hit them. Economic let's punch them out. Let's punch them out, buddy. We'll punch them out. All right. Like your dick is a pencil. All right. Well, this one's not so economic, and it's yeah. it goes back to your comment about the PC culture. Yeah. Where this movie probably couldn't be made today. The White Savior. Yeah. Well, well Aguapo says in... Um, In releasing the Three Amigos, when they they come clean about, hey, we're just actors, we're not really, you know, we thought this was just a show, and we didn't know this was real. And he goes, you know, they're crying, they're groveling. Says El Guapo only kills men; he does not kill crying women. (laughs) And that's I love
1: El Guapo in this movie, by the way, he's fantastic. What's a
0: plethora, (laughs) Hefe?
1: She will come to me tonight, or I will kill her. I mean, the guy's amazing. Perfectly played by that actor who I don't even know his name because I'm a racist. Allegedly, just because you forgot his name, that would, you know, qualify you these days. But why do the white people go and save this town? Because
0: they were asked to go there to save this town. I you mean, talk about the turn when Martin Short like draws the line and is like, you know, we may not actually be gunfighters, but we're here and we've got nothing to go back to. So let's be this for real.
1: No, I'm talking about in the very beginning. Like, why do they even get called upon to do this job?
0: Oh, that was the miscommunication. Right, the miscommunication.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying that they were asked to be there. They weren't just like these knights in white and shining armor that stumbled upon this poor downtrodden Mexican town. This Mexican town asked them to be there. You know what I'm saying? They weren't just like white knighting because they're white knights.
0: Oh, I see. I see. You're you're taking the present day PC... View of them being the white savior and debunking yeah. that. Okay. Right, right, right. right. Did it, was that not clear? Was that not clear what I was saying? Well, apparently you have superior intellect and education and you're taking it out on me now. Or maybe <laughs> because you've turned over 40. I'm 32. It's my 32nd birthday. Or what was it? 33rd?
1: What was it? I forget. <laughs>
0: it's 30 33 for like the seventh time. You
1: know, I think well, he looked
0: a little older than 40. Yeah, yeah, but
1: this is back in the 80s. People didn't age super good back then. Uh,
0: And right after that, when um, he lets the amigos go, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but he says he says a comment to the town, to townspeople. He says, you tried to hire these guys to protect you from me, and that hurts me. That hurts my feelings. It hurts his feelings, Daniel. That you would try to stop me from terrorizing you. And as a result, I will no longer offer you my protection and i will let my men have their way with your town
1: right right that's the ultimate like gaslighting
0: yeah it's a gaslighting slash mafia protection money racket you know like you've upset me you've you know this is this is uh don corleone being like you disrespected me you disrespected the family so now bad things might happen to you i don't know maybe maybe bad things might happen it's out of my control now I mean, I was protecting you and now
1: I can't do that anymore because, you know, you disrespected me. So you hurt my feelings.
0: And now these guys, I, I just can't hold them back anymore. They're going to they're gonna fuck you up. Yeah. So it's really like a micro, microcosm of, of uh, you know, a government, really. I mean, he was the de facto government in that area. Yeah. He wanted his protection money or his protection tequila
1: or whatever, his protection women, whatever he was getting a payment as from. And as soon as they withhold, you know, he doesn't need them anymore. Like, same as in Magnificent Seven, he was constantly milking that little town for whatever they could afford to pay. You know, like, they'd take most of their food, just, just enough so that the town survived, but not enough to mount a defense against them, keep them just poor enough that they couldn't hire outside help, so that when they actually did go out and ask, hire outside help, they only had a tiny little bit of money, they were mostly playing on the gunfighters, you know, sense of honor and justice.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds very familiar. Modern Day. Mm, mhm. Yeah, so uh, an economic point, there's a a very brief scene where the amigos are they they've crossed the line in the sand and they've said, "Hey, we're going to be real amigos at this time. We're going to actually go and try to protect this town and go retrieve Carmen and go and look for El Guapo." And they're traveling through a desert and they're all hot and sweaty and parched and like Martin Short like drinks out of his canteen and it's like just sand like falling on him and steve martin's is all empty and <laughs> chevy chase it's like just glug, 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 spilling water everywhere and he's like oh done with this just tosses it and the water is like seeping into the parched earth and it, it reminds me of a of a rothbard point where you know scarcity is is what causes the value of something to go up and this was what um adam smith couldn't figure out It was called the um the water diamond paradox it was like well Diamonds don't have a whole lot of use, yet they're very valuable, whereas water is necessary for life, but it's very cheap, and Smith couldn't figure this out. But it was because of the relative scarcity of each thing, especially in a given environment. So, like, in a desert, a very little amount of water is extremely valuable. Meanwhile, in, you know, a modern-day city where there's water everywhere, it's very, very cheap. Indeed, yes. I don't have anything to add
1: to that. It's But the, the scene played out quite perfectly to illustrate that.
0: Yeah, and I... I I love Chevy Chase's um, demeanor in this. Like, he's just like, he's just like, whatever, you know, he's like this slovenly wasteful guy. And it it seems like he's like the same in in almost every movie, even in community seems to be kind of the same. Yeah. He plays a
1: big, dumb, goofy bozo guy really well. Like he plays it in the, uh, the vacation movies, the Fletch movies. Fletch. Yeah. Spies like us. I mean, pretty much all the,
0: all his scenes, all his movies. And this is like peak Chevy Chase time, right? Like late 80s or late 70s, early 80s?
1: Yeah, he was in, uh, what, the very first episode of Sudden Night Live. I think it was 1977 or 78. And he was the very first performer to show up on screen. Um, And then, yeah, they were doing what? Started doing movies in the early 80s, early to mid 80s. So, yeah, this is is peak chase, I would say. This isn't necessarily his biggest movie, but this is at the peak of his powers.
0: Yeah, and, and if I recall, I remember hearing stories about how it kind of went to his head. Like he felt like he was the star of Saturday Night Live and there was a bit of a power play situation there and like people didn't like him on a personal level as a result because a lot of it went to his head. Very much akin to the Tim Allen character in Galaxy Quest where the the rest of the cast like kind of resented him for taking all the fame and glory. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't heard this story, but he
1: was definitely this early, one of the big shining stars of Saturday Night Live back in that day. For sure. Although, you know, uh, John Belushi and Ackroyd. Yeah. I mean, those are also some really big names. So,
0: you know. Yeah. It seems like they've gone through a, a couple of um, ups and downs Saturday Night Live. I, I used to describe it in the mid 90s as some of the humor was, you're so tired. It's funny because it was on at midnight for us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember there were usually, I would usually watch it for the weekend update, which was almost always where the good jokes were. And then, I mean, I think that was when spade and norm mcdonald were doing the the not at the same time but around that time if you you could go back today and watch old norm mcdonald weekend updates still really really funny he was he had a serious edge to his comedy
0: oh yeah yeah he was talking about the oj simpson one he's like well apparently murder is now legal in california <laughs> 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 yes i mean it, it, yeah it, it's all like that it's
1: all that good and uh you know he's good when he gets fired for doing it so um i would always watch that and then there would always be maybe a good sketch or two but you could tell they either ran out of ideas towards the end i mean i would basically only watch when there's like a really interesting maybe like you know music guest or i don't know
0: yeah i remember when uh, like nirvana was on there that was pretty good um i liked david spade mcdonald sandler of course uh, chris farley Tim Meadows, he was there, but, I mean, he doesn't, like, stand out, but, you know, he's he's all right. Fallon and Faye,
1: when they were doing Weekend Update in the early 2000s, I also caught a few episodes of that. And that that's still pretty funny, but the rest of the show wasn't super good, but they also, that was when they had Farrell and he had some good stuff. So, I mean, some stars come out of, some really, you know, impressive comedy stars come out of Saturday Night Live, but that doesn't necessarily mean the show was any really that good.
0: Yeah, and I haven't seen it in so long these days, but I hear that now it's mostly Alec, baldwin playing trump and like they, they try to have these like allegedly edgy digs at him but i mean that's that's, that's where the,
1: the safest comedy ever
0: yeah comedy has devolved into that and Orange like, man every, bad. yeah everything's about trump being bad uh you know i, I noticed this the other day um i'm in the, uh, the dave smith part of the problem group and someone was like hey i want to share the libertas special with someone is that cool dave you know dave's like yeah sure whatever you know you don't have to pay for it and I was like, oh, I just listened to it on Amazon Prime. So I posted in the group. And yeah, it's it's available free on Amazon Prime, except for one track. For whatever reason, this one track is too hot for Amazon or whatever, you got to like pay for this one. It's like 90 seconds long. Hmm. <laughs> and it's it's the one called Trump is Hitler. Oh. Apparently, apparently that's the one they make you pay for. And I wonder if it's because all of their comedy is basically the same as that. And so they're like, well, this, this fits in the normal comedy zone. So we're going to charge for that. The rest of it. On the house.
1: This is this is something that everybody else would want to hear. The rest of it's kind of garbage. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if he has something to do with that or
0: not. Yeah, I don't know. I it's ninety seconds. I'm sure I could find it somewhere. Oh uh, sure. But yeah, it's it's whatever. It's 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 weird. It's the state of comedy is is really really bizarre these days. And you know, back in the uh, the olden day, you know, the royal court type sy- sy- system where you had to really watch what you had to say, but the court jester could speak truth, but as long as they were funny. Right. But it had a had a bit of a pass. And you saw that in um, you know, stand-up comedy in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s, you know, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and and all those. And now the now the comedy specials are, are pretty, pretty terrible.
1: Oh, I couldn't tell you the last time I left I watching like a Netflix special. Like you got your Amy Schumers and there was some quote unquote comedian that was from like Australia. And she mostly spent the time talking about how she was raped and how, I don't know. Anyway, I, 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 tried, I tried to watch part of it. It sounds terrific. It, it was the uncomedy comedy special. I don't know. It was mostly just her kind of talking about how men are terrible. I didn't watch the whole thing, to be fair. Maybe maybe all of a sudden got hilarious. But from all the reviews I heard, it, it was just a, a non-thing. But well, it was all are- celebrated as a very brave thing, moving comedy in a bold new direction where nobody laughs.
0: Well, you are terrible. You signed up a motherless goat. You're not wrong. All right, I'm going to I'm going to say one line from the movie and have you riff from there. I'll try. Sometimes you can overplan these things. What?
1: That was a line from the movie?
0: Yeah, this is after Chevy Chase zip lines into the into the room where the Carmen girl is uh, held captive and yeah. he bumbles through like knocking out one of the sentries and he bumbles through like landing in the right spot and hiding from the guard and like he comes up with these plans that are actually effective. And he says to her, well, she says, oh, you you did a great job getting in here. Now what? And he said, well, that was as far as we got in the plan because we didn't think this much of it would work.
1: Yeah, I like that um, the Amigos, when they're first looking at the stronghold, they're going, man, I don't know how we're going to do this. We're going to have to think about this and use our brains. And they're like, oh, no. So they basically, what, do they just kind of sneak in? And then, yeah, they zipline over, and that's about all they can do. I don't think, you know, they made the... They made the amigos great protagonists, despite just being these bumbling Mr. Magoo type style idiots. You're, I was totally on board with them the whole time. Of course, I also loved El Guapo. He was a fantastic villain. I mean, he wasn't just straight evil. He had like style and personality to him.
0: And he loved and he his was funny. He loved his men, and they loved he him. He That's even right. he loved the sweater they got him. Like, yeah, you pretend when you know grandma gives you a sweater and you pretend to like it. He seem genuinely to like it. He really did. And the idea of everybody getting together to buy him a sweater or
1: steal it or wherever they got it and have him just be totally, I mean, these big, gruff, you know, tequila swinging, sw- swinging and like cigar smoking and gun shooting guys buying a sweater is just funny.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Guy. Guapo is a good villain. And I, and I really enjoyed Hefe, his right hand man. Yeah. Hefe was hilarious. Who He he says, I'm still here for you, Guapo. I'll never leave your Ah, he gets shot. And he even appreciates
1: when at the in the finale that the that the amigos pulled a great trick on him. He
0: he enjoyed that. Yeah, and he pulls a trick on them right before dying by Yeah, shoot Steve Martin in the foot. Yeah, which he's got the uh bullet armor apparently because getting shot in the arm, he's like, ow, oh, but then he still uses his arm as if nothing's wrong. <laughs> they put a little bit of ketchup on his shirt. He's fine. There were a lot of moments in this movie where they just like cut the scene and then move on as if they landed the plane or as if, you know, whatever, like, miraculous thing that had to happen just happened. And I know they did that purposefully because it's a comedy and they're just, like, they're doing the deus ex machina thing. You know, it's like, all right, well, they just gotta, you know, get through this and we don't really care how. We're just moving on. Move on to the next thing.
1: Yeah. It it follows the line, the good comedy rule of if it's funny, it's okay. Right. Doesn't necessarily have to make sense. Doesn't have to, yeah. Follow any particular rules set up in the universe. If it makes you laugh, then it's in. It makes it into the cut.
0: Like when we fought the priests, or burned the village, raped the horses, <laughs> rode the women, or rode the. What was it? Was it rode the women? Rode the women and pruned their hedges. <laughs> Many of their
1: hedges in the villages. Come, Come on, on, man! This is funny stuff. Would you like to kiss me? What here now?
0: <laughs> we got gringos falling from the sky. I thought that was uh, it was good stuff. There, there was a moment uh, where Steve Martin is is chained up to these weights and he's motivating himself by positive mental thinking. Like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And as soon as he he has doubt and he says, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. The weights pull him back and slam him into the wall. And uh, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, that that is part of being able to persevere through things is a positive mental attitude. You know, and thinking that you're going to make it, like visualizing. I don't know where, where I'm getting motivational from. Maybe it's like, I'm, I'm three set of bases in, but I just thought it was like a useful um, thing, like keep a positive mental attitude and, and think that you can accomplish things and it will help you get them done. Look at this.
1: Steve Martin, motivational speaker. The amigos, is there nothing they can't do? Nothing they can't do?
0: And what's your El Guapo? That was a Martin Short thing. like <laughs>
1: <laughs> Our El Guapo is the real El
0: Guapo, but it could be- Who's know... trying? To... <laughs> But it was all about you know, overcoming your, you know, your big challenge, your big obstacle. I kept calling him your El Guapo. That was, that was also like part of a motivational type thing. Yeah. This is a... What, con- did, you, many what, did, you, deep. what did you think of the, the finale? The finale was ridiculous, of course. And it's yeah. meant to be so. And it's clearly them in every... In uh, every shot. Yeah, they're over there, they're over there, they're over there. Uh, and then when the townspeople like, reveal... That, oh, it's all these townspeople that, you know, wearing these, like, shoddy knockoffs to style, like, versions of their outfits. You know, it's like...
1: Oh, like Halloween Town versions.
0: Yeah, and sure, that's part of the joke. Um, and it reminded me of that... Um, is it a meme from a game? There's like, they're everywhere, man! Um, like, aliens? Like, game oh, over, man? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, They're yeah. coming
1: out of the walls and they're everywhere?
0: They're everywhere, man. Yeah, that, that's what okay. it was. Okay. Now, you, you said Guapo appreciated it as a trick. I still don't understand, like how this defeated their gang. They were overwhelmed. They were surrounded,
1: outgunned, and they had no chance of winning. Okay. So yeah, they got a bail. Okay. Why El Guapo didn't also bail, I don't know. But pride, he, man.
0: That's pride fucking
1: with him. Pride fucking with him. It's true. He ain't gonna let, as soon as you let one little town stand up to you, then they might get it in their heads that they're all gonna stand up to you. Then they'll figure out that they outnumber us and then we're fucked.
0: Yeah, that's from ants, right? A Bug's Life. Bug's Life. Bug's Life. What? What was the story in Ants? Forget that. No. Mm, yeah, something else. No, that was Ants. That was the ants uh, feeding the grasshoppers, wasn't it? And then yeah. the Bug's Life was the circus. The circus uh, performers helping them. Which this movie is basically the same thing. This is a Bug's Life. Galaxy Quest. Magnificent. Wait a Seven minute. Seven, right, is it all Ants together. or Bug's Life? Ants is the one with the hopper. Okay, then the...
1: that's then we're talking
0: Ants then. Right. And Bug's Life also has a similar type thing, right? Wait. Uh, I'm mixing the two. I don't remember which is which, but we're talking about the Hopper one, whichever one is the Hopper one. Right. If they ever figure out that they outnumber us, then we're fucked. And uh, Larkin Rose has a video called The Tiny Dot, which is kind of similar. He, he um, shows how many politicians there are and how many enforcers there are versus how many citizens or people who live in a certain area are. And the, the numbers are overwhelmingly you know, stark in the country. Right.
1: There are... There's a fraction of them for every one of us, super tiny. Like yeah, so that 5% of the people are in the ruling class and they rule 95%, like just hundreds of millions.
0: Yeah, if not even a bigger split, like 97.3 or something. But uh, I'll post that on our show notes page. And this is uh, lastnervers.com slash 70, this episode. Uh, we are actually getting pretty close to the end here. So Robert, any other notes before we get into the final summary and review action? Uh, no, we
1: went through everything except I wrote down the joke of the uh, I'll feel you so full that you'll be using your dick for a pencil. What do you mean? I don't know. I thought that was cute. Yeah. And what book- do you mean? Like, El Guapo doesn't even know what he's talking about. And Steve Martin's like, uh, I don't know, man. I just say stuff. I think it makes sense. Right. Like. I I, say- yeah, of course. Yeah. It's I mean, it's been overdone and overused, but I'm sure back in the day it killed. And this yeah. movie's still funny, even with knowing all the lines.
0: Oh, it holds up very well. Absolutely. And because it's it's set in 1916, you know, it's it's a period that they're portraying. It doesn't look 80s to me. It looks like it could have been any time like they could have made this in the 90s or, or even 10 years ago. Definitely.
1: Except this movie is actually funny. So I don't know right. if they could have made it today or 10 years ago.
0: I think 10 years ago, you might still be able to to get by the mid 2000s. It wasn't so SJW crazy yet. Correct. I, I agree. But you couldn't make it today. Oh, absolutely not. No. No, in fact, I'm surprised that people aren't upset at these guys today for what they did 35 years ago.
1: Right. Go back through all their old performances. Talk about how problematic they are.
0: Yeah. You see that like with um, NFL draft picks, you know, some kid wrote something when they were 12 and now that now they're 20, you know, and they tweeted something when they were 12 that was like mildly offensive. Yeah. And it's getting dredged up now. And so now
1: they're bad people still. And how dare they? And they need to apologize for our hurt feelings. Can you imagine grown men and women talking about how a tweet from a 12-year-old hurt their feelings or they found it offensive and it really hurt their... What they really say is they're, well, I'm sure it offends the people that are offended by it. I'm not personally offended, but other people find it offensive and therefore you need to apologize. Well, why don't why don't the people that are actually offended speak up? You never hear from those people. It's always these virtue signalers who come in, white knight for some uh, imagined oppressed group that they're coming to the defense of like they know oh trust me i know these people over here they're super offended by what you oh really are you the expert on other people oh yeah you're totally the expert okay
0: yeah but your common defense is well you're not the expert on whatever it is you're talking about you're not a woman so you can't talk about a woman thing they're totally full of hypocrisy oh and and speaking of hypocrisy um robert you and i We made an appearance with um, Keith Knight on his show, Don't Tread on Anyone, where we got to play the role of statists again, which we haven't been for quite a while. And I I thought we did quite well. So I'm going to post that on our show notes page because I thought that was a fun appearance. And he does great work. I think we've talked him up before. But Keith Knight's Don't Tread on Anyone YouTube channel, uh, highly recommended, everyone. Yeah, for sure. That guy does good stuff.
1: A lot of excellent arguments if you ever want to watch his stuff and, you know, for good ammunition to defeat certain
0: dumb arguments. All right, yeah. Daniel, let's wrap this one up. What is your summary review? You can go first. All right. Well, my summary review is that wherever there's injustice, wherever liberty is threatened, we'll be there with a plethora of things to talk about. Uh, this movie, like we've said, holds up to this day. I think that the comedy is still very biting and and hilarious. The characters are are well done. Um it's a, it's an enjoyable film. I, I think that there's not much that I would change in this thing. I just enjoyed it all around. And I'm going to go with a, a 8.5 on this bad boy. It's uh, highly recommended. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm tempted to give it a 5 of something, but I can't
1: give it a 5. There's no way. That's way too low. Yeah, this movie handles, you know, it, it the the style of humor. Since the main characters are the dumb ones, I mean, they're not punching down at anybody. They're punching at themselves. And it's really wacky and silly And in the same way that like Monty Python and the quest for the Holy Grail, like stands the test of time just because of its silliness and it's irreverence, This is a similar vein for me. It, it, this is a movie probably in two or three decades I can watch again and laugh. I I don't think this is going to age nearly as badly as, you know, there's no topical humor that I could tell. Maybe there was, but I didn't notice any. It's all within the story and it all works. Even live what is just some of it's out of left field and irreverent, but, yeah, man. If you're going to judge a movie, laughter is king in a comedy. And I laughed multiple times and I was smiling a whole bunch of the time. I just, I can't say anything bad about this movie. I can't. The acting is great. The the, the comedy stylings of the three, they obviously have a lot of chemistry together. They like each other. They work well together. That, that shows, you know, their time on SNL probably working together shows and uh, the supporting cast of El Guapo. I, I don't know if that actor went on to do other things, but he's fantastic in this. I don't know why he didn't get more work. Maybe he's doing work down in Mexico. I don't know, but he's fantastic. And uh, yeah, this is just highly recommended. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Uh, you gave it an 8.5? 8. 8.5. I can't give it that high. It's not 8.5. Oh,
0: come on. Come on. It's- All right. All right. This is our 8.5
1: point 8.5. 8. Ocho Cinco's. 8. Cinco's.
0: It's a match. We haven't had a match in quite a while. And that, uh, that actor is Alon- Alfonso Arau. Okay, cool. Never heard the name before, but he's. Uh, I love him in this movie. It's great. Yeah, he's on stage. And also, the music, uh, Randy Newman was the, uh, the guy coming up with the music, and he played the singing bush. Oh, and, fun. Yeah, it uh, plays up really well. So that is our episode on the Tres Amigos for Cinco de Drinko, their cultural appropriation bros. I'm wearing my Chivas hat for our video. Patreon supporters at lastnerds.com slash Patreon next week. Coming up next week, it's a mother's day episode. And yet we're going to go into the spider verse and tag team a movie with Jack V. Lloyd of the Voluntaries comic and the philosopher, I believe will be on to talk about the animated spider verse into the spider verse movie. Fantastic film. Uh, I'm going to enjoy every minute of rewatching it. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it from us here at The Last nighters, also part of the Launchpad Media, where you can always find new ideas getting tossed in your direzione at thelaunchpadmedia.com. And uh, we'll see you guys next week where we talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Be a lot of fun and happy Cinco de Mayo, everyone. Peace out. Good night from last night. We'll continue the transmission a little bit longer on the actual anarchy podcast. The anarchist mom says I'm uber offended. I think that was from some of the pre-show moments and you know, I'd be offended too until I heard what we were talking about on this one. And and I think that we did a very fine job on this. Um, Robert, I have a few more notes related to the movie and I wanted to save it for the actual anarchy portion. Okay. The director, John Landis, he did trading places. And uh, what was the other one we talked about? Anyway, he's done several movies. He also did the twilight zone movie or he was directing it in the early 80s. Ooh, fun. And, I remember
1: getting scared by that movie
0: when I was a kid. Well, little there's a
1: little goblin on the wing. That's terrifying.
0: Well, there's a whole story about this, and, and I don't know how, much, how, how long this will be, but <clears throat> apparently when they were filming, they did a helicopter scene at night, and it was supposed to be them escaping Vietnam, and so it was like a Huey-type chopper, and they were child actors, And the regulations around child actors were they couldn't work at night after dark, you know, but the scene called for it. And so at that time, the director was just like, well, I want this done. Just do it. Well, there was an accident. Helicopter crashes, kills the two children actors and the lead actor in the movie. And then there's lawsuits, huge court case and all sorts of regulations that come out as a result of this incident to where now it's like, you know, this is in the early 80s, but it. it, Totally changed how the the labor laws were implemented and the safety f- that needed to be taken into you know into account um, as a knee jerk reaction to this horrific incident. Have you heard about this at all, or is this totally new information for
1: you? I know I remember the helicopter crash killing. I remember killing some people. I don't remember it being the two kids and the principal, lead actress. I, don't, reme- I don't remember that, but I do remember that there was a helicopter crash. People died, and as a result, there's a bunch of. St- stuff that happened but I don't all this other stuff you're telling me is brand new to me
0: okay well I'll, I'll post the uh, an article about it on the show notes page I just thought it was um I mean it's, it's of course a terrible thing but the uh I mean I guess it goes back to you know at that time the director's word was what was going to happen and they didn't there there wasn't a whole lot of pushback I guess and I I don't want to say that this is a good uh regulation or law as a result like, I'm trying to be very careful about how I'm saying this. Like, yes, things need yes. to be changed, but it didn't need to be through force of law. But I think... Right. That- it sounds like
1: something that would have changed anyway. I mean, this is all... A high-profile case like this can change everybody's opinion on a thing. Yeah. How often, or how, how likely, you know, with this information happening, would the next parents be like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Throw my kids up in a helicopter in the middle of the night. I think they would have pushed back on that as soon as they look, got the script for the movie or whatever. it's going to make everybody more aware of the dangers and react accordingly. You don't need some oppressive government thing going coming down and say you must do X, y and Z. This is a natural thing and besides, um, the recent as the recent um, Ben Burgess uh, appearance on part of the problem um, demonstrated, the uh, um, Dave was saying how you know he would like the roads to be privatized. And Ben was like, oh, that's a terrible idea. You know, think of all the people that would die. Just, just fall over dead because, you know, corporations have an incentive. Companies have an incentive to kill their customers, right? So then uh, Gene Epstein came on the show the, like, the next week. And he was like, this is one of the points I want to talk about. And he said, you know, safety sells. You, people would work it out to be safe so that people don't die. I mean, when, was, when, the, when you bought your car the last time, did you just ignore that the car had brakes? Did you not care if the car had brakes or, or light headlights or seat belts? No, of course you did. You checked all that crap, made sure it all had that. And it all worked because you cared about the safety. People care about safety. They care about their own lives. They care about the lives of the ones they love. So this is a terrible accident, obviously, but we learn from our mistakes. Human beings do. And we learn from the mistakes of others and we react accordingly and we accept risk and we don't do things where we say the risk is too great.
0: And that's all subjectively valued by each individual. And that's another reason why you can't have these centrally planned top-down edicts from on high. And that that was the angle I was trying to go with, with this sometimes you just can't plan these things. I wanted to go Mm -hmm. on a central planning rant. You should have, why not? We do enough of that, I think. Okay. I'm sure it'll come up again. All right, we will get our chance again, for sure. Yeah, we will be vindicated. But uh, let's wind this down and get into some Kathleen Turner overdrive available for our Patreon supporters. Also, just a reminder to uh, give us a, a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a subscribe on the old YouTubes and whatnot, and that will help get us in front of more people. This has been episode 127 of the show. This is our Cinco de Drinko episode on Three Amigos. And uh, any final words for our audience before we get into that Kathleen Turner overdrive? Hey, thanks for coming
1: in for this one. Basically recycling our old material since we've already done Magnificent Seven. And got Gal- Weiss and Galaxy <laughs> Quest. All we have to do now is Seven Samurai, and we'll just completely just be repetitive bastards. So thanks for sticking with us for this one. We'll be back with a brand new type of movie, an animated film, animated comic book film um, that is uh, very, very good. So check that
0: out. Yeah, looking forward to that one with Jack V. Lloyd and Philosopher. But for now, let's ride into Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Good night, everyone. Peace out. Maximum freedom.